Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hello, and welcome to Kindled. This is episode 86, and I'm your host, Haley Williams. Today, I'm going to be chatting with my friend, Jennifer Edward, and we're going to be talking about imperfect purpose. Jennifer and her husband endured inexplicable infertility, which resulted in a very terrifyingly premature birth of their son, Mason, at just 23 weeks. Jennifer has also endured two miscarriages and just has such an incredible story of hope. So for any of you who have struggled with similar circumstances in your past, I hope that you will be truly, truly encouraged and uplifted and pointed back to the hope that we have in Jesus by Jennifer's words. Here's my conversation with Jennifer Edward. Okay, so Jennifer, welcome to Kindled. So thankful to be here. So would you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us about who you are and what you do? Yes. So I am a wife and a mom, and I am just so passionate to just run alongside women and just honestly making him known in the story that he has just set up for us. I think that for me, um, I have lived many times in my life, just a life of striving and this desire for perfection. And I think for me, just being able to step step daily into what God has called me to and what his desires are. And I think I have learned and I am learning. It's been a process that's really so much of our, the imperfections in our lives and the plans that we want or that we have set out. It really, they really just spur us on um, to be in pursuit of, of who God is and just to live in his abundance that he has for us. So just so passionate for just for women to know who he is and and how good, honestly, he really is no matter what. Yeah. Wow. That's a really good intro. (laughs) That's a deep intro. I like it. (laughs) Deep. (laughs) You can ask my friends. That's how we kind of go. I'm like, we're going to go deep. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I love that because I'm the exact same way. And I think sometimes it overwhelms people, but so tell me about your family. So I have a four and a half year old with special needs. And then I have a nine month old daughter who is just a little gem. So they're both incredible. And a little bit about Mason. So Mason is my four and a half year old. He was born at 23 weeks and my daughter was born at 32 weeks. So totally, even though she came early, just a very different walk and perspective in all of that. So yeah. Wow. That's that's crazy. I mean, cause yeah. So do they technically say viability is 24 weeks, right? Yeah. So when I, um, I had gone to the doctor before and I, I was high risk pregnancy altogether, but I, mm-hmm. I knew that he was measuring larger. And so when I, I mean, I just went into labor and so I still, to this day, everything's kind of been, they don't know. And like why it all happened the way it did. And so when we did finally, when it was that time that morning that we were like, okay, this is going to happen today. And the doctors come in and that was one of the things that they said, you know, they're like, honestly, there's really like a 0% chance, Mm -hmm. which in my husband and I's mind, like we knew God is greater and he is bigger. And so honestly, it's up to him 
but you're right. I mean, viability, what we were told was like really at 24 weeks is, you know, we were kind of waiting to get to that point. So, wow. um, and he came at 23. So, <laughs> wow. So, I mean, I know we're not going to spend the whole conversation talking about your labor experience, but given that I'm pregnant, I'm just like very interested. I, I mean, I love birth stories period, but yeah. what were you thinking? Like when that, ha- you went into labor at 23 weeks, I mean, what were like, what were your thoughts? Did you have any indication that that would happen? Or were you like, wait, is this, cause that was your first baby. So it's not yeah, like that was- labor would feel like. So Yeah. So I think that for me, I did not have any idea. I was definitely going through pregnancy after struggling for many, many years of infertility. I was definitely nervous pretty much the entire time. I mean, I'm just going to be honest and tell you, I think that every day I was like, you know, is this, am I going to lose this baby or are we gonna, you know, is this gonna turn into, you know, him being born and being healthy. And so the morning that it happened, I woke up and I looked at my husband and I said, I think I'm having Braxton Hicks. And he kind of looked at me like, ah, are you sure? Like you're 23 weeks. And we had just had the conversation of when you get to 24 weeks, you know, that's viability. Their lungs are, you know, you know, they're good or, you know, at least at, for that time period. And I told him, I'm like, you can just go to work. I, I think it's fine. Then I just remember like I got in the shower and it was not okay. Like it escalated very quickly. And I feel like every five minutes I was, I timed it. I was having contractions and my husband had already gone to work. I was like, no, just go. It's going to be fine. This is nothing. Um, And then my OB was like, you need to come in right away. Well, he was 30 minutes away. And I was like, well, I have to go. Like I'm not. So I, I remember I grabbed a banana because I was starving and I was on speakerphone with my husband and I just drove straight to the hospital Wow. And then walked in and it all honestly happened really, really fast. So we live about 20 minutes south of downtown Denver. And Mm -hmm. when we got there, they were like, you know, there was just tons of people in the room and they gave you a bunch of different medications to try and stop it. Because when they finally checked everything out, they were like, you're five centimeters dilated. Like you are in full on labor, which at 23 weeks is a huge issue. And so they, I remember they, they sat there and they were telling us my husband was there and my OB came in and all the high risk doctors came in and they're like, okay, we've got to transport you to a different hospital downtown because of the high risk, you know, Mm -hmm. if he was born that day. And so I was like, okay, no problem. We can get down there really, really fast. And they looked at me like I was crazy. They're like, Mm -hmm. nope. So I'm like, okay, well, can my husband come in the ambulance? And they're like, nobody can come. We're not going in an ambulance. You're getting on a helicopter and we're going right now. And so it happened like honestly in a matter of minutes. And I feel like from that point forward until he was born, it's almost like in one of those movies where everything is kind of happening and you're just like walking in slow-mo, but all this stuff is like going around you. That's how I felt. I, I could like hear people, but I wasn't fully processing like actually what's going on. Right. And then once we got there, it pretty much happened. I mean, they did everything they could, you know, to stop it Mm -hmm. and it wasn't. And so they, you know, we had to make the call, you know, do we want to, you know, how do you want to deliver this baby to give him the, you know, highest chance of survival? Um, and so I had an emergency C-section mm-hmm. just a few hours later, and it was kind of a, a huge ripple effect of, you know, all the dominoes falling and my husband going straight with him to the NICU. And, you know, I was in recovery and I didn't actually get to 
go back to the NICU until later that night. It was actually technically the next day, but it was like 1230 that night mm-hmm. that I got to like actually go in and, and see him. So, wow. That's sounds, it's like a movie and not in a good way, but like, that's, <laughs> no. so, it's so scary. Like I can't yeah. imagine like that being your first birth experience too. Cause you know, I mean, birth is scary either way, mm-hmm. you know, and an unknown, you just don't know what to expect. So what did it look like? after he was born like what was what was that journey like in in the NICU so um they kind of go off they tell you kind of like a list of everything that he could possibly have or that could go wrong or things like that and he pretty much hit you know checked off every single mark times 10 on there and so at four days we were he had a a massive brain bleed on both sides of his brain and so at four days they took us into a room and told us that it was probably time to turn the ventilator off and take him off life support and that was another moment for me where I kind of just like muted everybody because my husband obviously was listening to get all the information but I just kind of checked out to be honest. Mm -hmm. And because in my mind, like every single time I would put, I mean, he was one pound, eight ounces when he was born. And every time we would put our hand in his isolate, I mean, he would just squeeze your, your finger. And I'm like, you know, it, it, it wasn't up to me and it wasn't up to my husband. It wasn't up to anybody else, but God, honestly. And so we both made the the decision that we were not going to take him off life support. And so it was honestly five months in the NICU of some pretty traumatic and really, really hard experiences that he had to go through that we were there for just, I mean, he's had, you know, he had tons and tons of surgeries and I mean, he was resuscitated multiple times. I mean, a lot of times. Wow. And so just all the different experiences that we went through and then there was so much unknown. There was so much unknown of, you know, when we finally got to leave after five months, we were home for three weeks and then we went back in for emergency mm. surgery. Cause I, I knew something was wrong. We took him home and we got home after a few days. So we went back into the NICU, which was also a really challenging experience, mm-hmm. but there was just so much unknown. And yeah. there came a point where I had to just like accept the unknown and be okay with not being able to plan or know every single step of of what the journey was going to be and just embracing every single day, you know, all the challenges and all the joys because honestly there was so much of both and I mean I've been asked before and I mean I would not would I want him to go through the pain that he went through absolutely not but honestly I wouldn't change it because I think that for my husband and I both um I mean, we saw, we saw God in so many different ways and so many different lights. And I think it's just made us really understand, like when he says like, here, here's the abundant life, here's my goodness and my promise to you. I feel like we can just tangibly touch it mm-hmm. every single day. So, yeah, because you saw that flash in and out of like reality in a sense, because people were like, you know, mm-hmm. this isn't going to work. You're like, you got to take mm-hmm. him off life support. And then you're like, no, this cannot be, this cannot be the outcome. Like I refuse to accept that almost. And I don't know Mm -hmm. what your guys' heart or mindset was when you said, no, we're not going to do that. But I would imagine it's just like, I refuse to be told like that this is not going to, that this life is not going to continue on. Like almost just like, I won't, I can't accept that. And I won't like, I mean, that's how I would feel. I feel like. 
Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right. I think that we both, we talked like that very first night and we said, we have got, you know, they, they feed off of the fight that we have inside of us, that, that strength. And so we knew that we had to obviously like process and go through the emotions. And honestly, that's where a lot of my writing Mm -hmm. really took off in that time period. But for us, it was like, we had to make a choice Mm -hmm. and we had to choose to be positive and to choose to hold on to hope and joy and have that strength so that he could, he could feed off of that and he could be strong and he could fight Yeah, because I mean, really, he doesn't know anything else besides, you know, that. And so mm-hmm. you're exactly right. I think that it was, it was us like refusing if it wasn't coming from like God or God wasn't, you know, making the path forward, like nothing else mm-hmm. mattered. And it was just, we're going to push through for whatever, whatever the outcome is going to be. So, mm-hmm. so now that he's five and a half, why not? Um, <laughs> Four and a half, sorry. What does life look like? What what do some of the challenges that he faces every day as a result of being born that early? Yeah. So what does life look like? I mean, we have focused on creating just an environment of like what is going to suit him the best and where is he going to thrive? And so obviously, first and foremost, mm-hmm. above anything, we're like, Jesus loves you and you are made, you know, perfect in his image. And, and I say that because he is starting to ask us questions and he'll, you know, he's come home from school and, you know, he'll say like, you know, mom, I'm different. You know, why am I different or why, you know, he's epileptic. And when he has a seizure, he stops breathing. And so we've had some, you know, Mm -hmm. scary situations with that. And so he'll ask us, you know, why is this happening to me? Or, you know, he's asked like, you know, will you be different with me? And so we really just, at the end of the day, want him to just show everybody love and to know that he is loved. Honestly, if, if that's all that, that he ever learns when he is however old, 30, 50, 90, that God loves him and that he can love other people because there are a lot of challenges and he is, he does have delays but we don't ever want that to hold him back. Like we tell him every day, you can do whatever you want to do. And we're going to, as parents, try and make that as possible as we can with the means that we have. It's hard. It's not easy. And as he's getting older, we're seeing, you know, new challenges and obstacles, but we're just, every day I have to just like cling to God because I can't, I've like, I can't do it on my capacity at all. But he just, he has such a a joyful heart and he just loves people. And so, you know, whether he can run a marathon or do fine motor skill stuff, like these things are challenging for challenging for him. And so we just want him to be able to live, you know, life to whatever the fullest for his, for him is and, and kind of. Right. embrace it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, that's so hard. It's so hard because like every parent yeah. wants their kid to feel. No, I sorry, I'm crying. <laughs> every parent wants their kid to feel like special and loved and yeah. known and understood. And even though he is all of those things, they don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> like their little brains cannot. Yeah. I mean, a 4-year-old, I have a 4 and a half year old and She's starting to understand more, but I know there's a lot that she doesn't understand and there's a lot that's still really being formed for her. So just that question of like, will you be different with me? 
there's so many things like kids are probably asking that in so many ways to their parents, but his is like this very real, like he has a tangible visual of kind of how he's different. Like every kid probably feels different, but, but this is like, he's like, wait, I literally, wait, I'm not doing that. Or I am doing this and they're not, why not? And I, I can't imagine like as a parent, how hard that is and how, what you're saying is so true that you can't do that on your own capacity. And it has to be something that you're like, I don't have the answers for this, God. I don't have the strength even to feel prepared or equipped for some of these questions because you yourself are probably like still struggling with those questions on a regular basis with God. And yet like you are his parent and you are like God gave him to you and knew that you would be the right person to raise him. And so how have you wrestled with that? What does that look like for you to kind of, engage those questions with him and, and at the same time, not always know the answer, you know? Yeah. I think, well, one, a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of knowing that it's okay that I don't have all the answers. It was a pretty like pivotal moment when he asked me that question, because we had, we had been at church youth camp. We volunteered with the high school students at our church. And so we took both kids and we went up to the mountains in the middle of nowhere. And we took them on this adventure this past summer. And I remember we were at a coffee shop, ice cream shop with some of the students who couldn't go on the activity for the day. And, and so we get into, he's like, you know, I had to take him back to the bathroom. And so we're, we kind of just like, we closed the door and we're finally by ourselves. And honestly, it's was like, the one moment that, you know, from the last few days that we had been like by ourselves, like really just by ourselves. And he had been taking all of it in. Right. So he's seeing all of these children and these kids and these students just love on him and see like what they're doing and and all these things. And so he turns to me and that's when he said, he's like, well, you, you know, I'm different. Will you be different with me? And it like, I, I was speechless and I walked out and I remember I, there was, I had a few of the high school girls with me and I just like, I told them and we all just kind of like sat there in silence and like took it in and I cried. And it was like then that I realized that like, I have to go to the word and to God and be in prayer. And like, that's where I have to go first. Um, but I also know that I don't have all the answers and I won't have all the answers and that's okay. But for me, like I have to, foundationally stand in him with him through him because that is for me that's the only way and obviously it doesn't look perfect and it's not that you know all the time this this quiet time in the word but I feel like even if I you know can just say like a 30 second prayer or just ask him for the strength or whatever it is in that specific moment that is what I have to do because I know that like, it's not, he, he is who I go to. And so as, you know, as we are raising our children and, you know, wanting them and and showing who God is to them, I mean, that's, that's where I have to start first and foremost to be able to take any of it, you know, on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a beautiful in such a backwards upside down kingdom kind of way that you do have that reality of, I have nowhere else to go because the truth is that none of us do, but they, but we can band aid and we can like kind mm-hmm. of 
maneuver for a while, or I don't know, just we can kind of make it work. <laughs> like Tim Gunn yeah. on Project Runway, it's like I'll just make <laughs> it work for a while. Like I, I'm good. I'm I, I have a little more strength, a little more energy, a little more know how I have a couple more of the right answers. And then you know, eventually we do run out of those. And that's when you're, you know, you finally like, okay, I'm coming back God, because I tried and I failed again. And I'm here I am again, you know, but yeah. I think like in a situation like yours, you're probably just there faster because yeah. <laughs> it isn't like something where you can go to a friend and be like, so what do you do when your kid says this, you know, cause it's such a unique situation. And yeah. in a way that's a gift that God he he's brought you like faster to the throne room, you know, than yeah, then kind of like kind of hanging out down here with <laughs> like the fake solutions. Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so you obviously love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about launching your own? If so, you're going to want to listen up. I want to tell you about the it's time for your podcast course coming soon from my friend, Jeanette Tapley. Jeanette is the owner, operator, and podcast producing mastermind over at It's Time for Coffee, a podcast production company and podcast show. Jeanette loves to come alongside those who have the vision, heart, and the voice to start their podcast, but feel ill-equipped or intimidated by all the technical and logistical work it requires to make it a reality. In order to help and empower more women in their podcast journey, Jeanette will be launching the It's Time for Your Podcast course, a six-week course that will walk you through launching your very own podcast coming this September. She's going to take you from, I might start a podcast one day, to airing your first episode before 2019 is even over. To keep up with her show, stay in the loop about this amazing course, or for podcast tips and tricks, make sure to follow her over on Instagram at Jeanette Tapley. Yeah, and that's definitely been, and now having, you know, a child that does have special needs and one that does not, and then like also, you know, not comparing, not, Yeah. I think for, for me, it's been surrounding my myself with, with people that are going to fill me up from, you know, from the source mm-hmm. and it hasn't been easy. And, and there are people that, you know, might not understand it in, in that place in your walk. And that's okay. I don't ever want anybody to think that they have to carry that weight. And cause it's not for me to carry and it's not for them to carry. I think surrounding myself with people that edify me and, you know, build me up and point me like a lot of, like you said, you might not have the answer and that's okay, but that safe space to just like be real. And because for me, and you know, there's this, this saying, you know, that one saying where it's like fake it till you make it, or they'll say like faith it till you make it and things like that. And I'm like, I can't, that is not where I can go. I, I just have to, I've got to go to the source. I know he's going to reveal things to me. And I have to obviously be an advocate for not just my son, but for my daughter, for both my kids and, you know, just like any parent, but it definitely requires just that, you know, understanding. And I think that, and I think that's why I said, we're going to go deep. And I think for me, that's where I want to go because I want to know like what he's doing in your life so that I can, you know, see his goodness. I think for me to constantly be just reminded of he is good because I, there, there have been people that have said to me, like, how do you think he's so good? You know, or, you know, how can you believe that after everything? And I'm like, I will stand firm on it and I will take it to, you know, to my grave. And that's where for me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, and I'm going to remain. 
because I know that it, as, as imperfect as it all is, I know that he is glorified in all of it. So, oh yeah. Wow. Which that kind of gets us into some of what you do for your work. Cause I know yeah. one of your, your, is it your tagline is imperfect purpose? Yeah, it started. So I, I had been writing for a long time before I had my son going through, you know, just all the infertility and I was sitting in his, in his hospital room and I had just been writing. And for me, you know, striving and this idea of perfection and we have to be this certain thing or this idea. And I struggled for a lot of my life. And for me, when I went through infertility, there were so many moments where I was like, I am broken. I am not good enough. Like, what did I do? Which are all lies, right? They're all lies. And I remember sitting in his hospital room and I was like, and I, and I said out loud, my husband's there and I said, this is all of this is imperfect. And I'm like, it's imperfect and it's his purpose. And, and so that's where for me, it was, you know, living abundantly in his grace, seeking his truth and, and standing in his glory. And I think at the end of the day, making God known in those imperfections, because it, it really doesn't point to us, it points to him of what he's doing, you know, because it's easy for us to say, well, it shouldn't be this way or why did this happen? But I think it just, for me, it just constantly spurs me on to just like be in pursuit of, of who Christ is every single day. So yeah, so that's where, that's where it, where it was birthed. (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. And how amazing that it's almost like a, I mean, so you were in your son's hospital room that phrase comes to mind, you put the ideas together and it serves to be so like almost a, an encouragement for you of Mm -hmm. in the midst of something you had no idea how hard it was going to be or how long it would last your entire life, you know, (laughs) and also a a prophecy over his life of Mm -hmm. like imperfect purpose and, and all of our lives, because none of us are perfect, Mm -hmm. but our idea of what it's supposed to look like, you know, or what it should look like or what everybody yeah. else's life looks like. And here's what I want, God, give me that. And then I'll be happy. And, you know, this is what like answering my prayer looks like to me. And yet God says, no, I'll tell you what it looks like. I'll show you what answering your prayer <laughs> looks like and being a good father looks like, which is what you were talking about. Yeah. And it, it's something that the world can understand. It's not something that like people who don't have their spiritual eyes opened will ever be Mm -hmm. able to grasp. Mm -hmm. But it's such a a beautiful signpost that points believers and non-believers back to really the only source of truth and hope. So that's amazing. Yeah. So you started with writing. Mm -hmm. Where did that take you next? Because we, I haven't even gotten to question number two, (laughs) which (laughs) what does your work look like? Um, So if you want to answer that question. Yeah. So honestly, I so I, a lot of the writing I kind of just did in a journal and kept it private. And it was a lot of processing. And so I found myself even when we got home from the hospital and what life looked like, you know, after that. And for me, it was, I'm definitely an open book and I will share anything. But for me, I have to almost process it and like dig deep to like find everything in a sense. And so I... I, I don't even, I think I had Instagram, but I didn't really use it. And so I was like, I'm just going to 
I just had this really, really like this fire inside of me because I, when we came home, there was just so much noise and so much outside stuff of all kinds of stuff of opinions of, you know, everything. And so for me, I was like, well, I just want people, if one person knows who God is through everything, like not just, not just one specific thing, but just through all of it. Right. If you, if you're looking in through the lens, I just want one person to know who God is and to accept God mm-hmm. into their life. And so I was like, I'm just going to, you know, write something. And so I remember I just wrote one little, you know, blurb on, on Instagram and it's not little cause I, <laughs> I could write for a long time. So I have to yeah. keep it, keep it short, but, and I just started having conversations with people. Um, I'd get direct messages and just talking back and forth to people on email. And then I started just making really, really good friends on Instagram and connecting with people. And so I kind of just kept writing. I was like, if this is, and honestly, it was, it was a time of like surrender and obedience of God. I never, ever, ever want this to be about me. I want people to see God. And so for me, it was, there are seasons and there are times that, I mean, I kind of was like silent, right? And I'm like, this is, there's so much that was happening in this unseen space. And Mm -hmm. I was okay with that. And so for me, it was, you know, I, when you, when you, you know, ask a bold prayer of, you know, God use me, or what do you want me to, to speak or to write or to share? You have to like follow through, through completely. And so for me, it was like, if I, I mean, I remember I was praying those words for, a, for a while and, you know, nothing I couldn't, it was nothing that I was like, I felt, Hey, this needs to be, you know, put out there. I want to share this. And so there were definitely seasons of like, Hey, I've got to do some work with God, just him and I. And then there were times where he was like, you need to share this or speak these words. So, yeah. so yeah, it was, and it's still just, you know, me sharing honestly, like who he is um, and what he's doing for anybody that wants to read. So, so, and you've formed a business as mm-hmm. well through this yep. and it's, basically products that help people see God and yeah. journals. Yeah. What else does it look like? I know you have yeah, journals. So, um, so I met one of my really, really good friends, Lindsay on here and uh, on Instagram. And she and I were just talking and she was going through a lot of things in her life. And I just kind of opened up and shared of, you know, some things that, you know, everything that I was going through. And we both were like, we wanted people to have, you know, tools and to be able to get into the word and to not hold back from God and know that at the end of the day, it's a relationship, it's a conversation. And so we created this journal where you can go and there's a, there's a section of really just pouring out your heart. I felt like for days I was just writing, like I wanted to just talk to God and Some days it looked like, you know, a a prayer. And a lot of days it was just bullet points of like my Mm -hmm. thoughts of what's going on in my head. And then there's a section in the journal that are his promises. Because what I found was that we can easily believe something or think something, but we need his truth to back it up. And so when we talked about creating this journal, we were like, there's two parts to it. Us having that communication and that, you know, open relationship with God, but then also his truth and what he's telling us. And then along the way, I've just written some, you know, short devotionals and 
really things that will just point people to to his word and to create that desire in them to want to go to the source yeah. and to and to seek him. It's so cool. I love how you've like just kind of morphed <laughs> it along with your own needs and yeah. wants and desires like it's like everybody says, you know, if you want to invent a product, like just look at your own life. Look at look yeah. at what you need, you know, and what would help you. You don't have to go any further because yeah. That's we were already your using own experience. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Where are you seeing God's grace in your life today? Oh, every day and every moment. <laughs> um <laughs> I think lately it's just been in these quiet moments. I started waking up a lot earlier than the rest of the house. And so for me, it's just been a time of where I can just be still and just sit there. And I think that in those moments, he just like pours his grace out and, and I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I mean, I'm just literally sitting there and just trying to, to hear him in whatever capacity that is. And I think that he is a hundred percent giving me grace in, you know, me not, knowing what things are going to look like. Um, There are still so many unknowns, I think, in my life. And we're going into a new season. My husband is is going into a pastoral role at church. And so there are so many unknowns. And Mm -hmm. I think for me to just accept the grace that like he is enough and that's all I need. So, Yeah, man, that's so good. What would you say to the mom who is, you know, a mom who is in a, in a position or situation with a special needs child and is feeling all of the things that you felt, you know, the overwhelm, the, like, I have nowhere else to go. Like what, what's your encouragement to her? I would say, even though it might be hard, if there's even that one person and for me and I'm like, it's my husband, but then there's also there are certain people in my life that even though, I mean, there are some that don't even have kids. So they, you know, don't know any of the the parenting topics or, or things that I want to talk about. But I think finding whether it's one person or five people or whatever it is to just be able to have people around you in your life that you can just be honest and real. And there are days where and, and for me, I try, I, I don't want to focus on the negativity, but that doesn't mean I won't talk about the hard stuff because we all need to. And I think yeah. it's very easy for me to isolate myself. It is very easy for me to just like mm-hmm. stay in my corner and in my circle. And honestly, there are days where that is what I want to do. Yeah. And so I think if I could, could just share like a piece of encouragement, it'd be like to just be a little bit vulnerable and put yourself out there and know that no matter what, like God is, that's where your identity is. It's not in anything or anyone else. But I think that if you could just go and be bold and find that one person or five people, like I said, mm-hmm. it makes honestly a world of difference to have just those people around you and at church or wherever that is for you. But for me, it's been a lot of that. So, yeah. And I would imagine there's like seasons where you've needed to be, you've, you've been the one in need of a person like that. And then seasons where you've needed a person like that, or are maybe you're like always both, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, I always need someone who's going to be like reminding me of truth and speaking truth to me. And I always need to be open to being used by God to do that in someone else's life too. 
A hundred percent. I think so. And I, that's definitely where I find myself. So I, you know, you want to pour out, but then you also have to be poured into. And Mm -hmm. so I think for me, it's, it's that act of just being vulnerable and that act of being bold to, you know, speak truth into somebody else's life, Mm -hmm. but to also accept that and to have the grace to be able to say like, I need to hear this and I, you know, I need you. So. Yeah, man, it's a hard spot to be in. And it does require us to have trust. And of course, there's like discernment with knowing the people that you can trust with that part Mm -hmm. of your heart and your life. And that's where uh, church comes in real handy (laughs) for finding like-minded, you know, believers and women that that are trustworthy and sound and will are and like point you back to. Yeah. And honestly, like, I mean, for me, it's also been social media. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it gets a bad rap, but I have truthfully found some of the most, you know, Christ-centered kingdom building women on mission who, who accept and embrace like where God has put them. And it's not Mm -hmm. all, it's the ordinary, it's the mundane. And, um, so yeah, so I would say be open to that because I definitely have found some really special Mm -hmm. people. And I know that God specifically was like, putting every single one of them in my life on purpose, you know, in a, in a specific season or just in general, just, you know, on a daily basis. That is the beauty of it is connecting us with people who are in similar circumstances, situations, Mm -hmm. like life challenges that we might not know in our city or our neighborhood or community, you know, I mean, just, yeah. It's it's easier to Google someone online who has the same thing as you than it is to like find them in you know your actual city. Yeah, Not to say you shouldn't be connecting locally, but sometimes if you're like, I need a support group for yeah. this, or I need someone like I need other people who are walking through this challenge. Like mm-hmm. you know, you can Google it in five seconds. You're gonna have yeah. That. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, and I would say like get but like have both if you yeah. can. Yeah. Because there is something special about, you know, the in-person and right. I mean, I love coffee. So I'm like, when can we go get coffee, you know? And yeah. so yeah, there's definitely something <laughs> for mm-hmm. both. Yeah. Right. Right. Man. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's just really, I, I'm so encouraged by like your example and it's challenging and, you know, and does point me back to truth even in this conversation. So thank you for sharing thank that. Thank you. Where can people find you online, connect with you and check out your beautiful journals? So you can find me at, so it's Jennifer Edward on Instagram and then it's just jenniferedward.com. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been awesome chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening today, you guys. Next week, I'm going to be chatting with Desiree Endress. Desiree is the host of the Minimalish podcast, and we're going to be talking about how she is making minimalism work for her and how you and I can apply some of those principles to maybe simplify our own lives. Before you think this is just one more podcast on minimalism, I can promise you it isn't. I am not a minimalist in any way, shape, or form. I'm probably more of a maximalist, wishing I was a minimalist, but you know, and I don't, I don't want to do a capsule wardrobe. No, I love clothes. So this is a little bit of a different take on how a real, normal, everyday person might incorporate some of these principles into their life and find freedom and a little more ease in the everyday. So look forward to that next week with Desiree. Until then, I hope to connect with you guys on Instagram at haleywilliams.kindled. You can leave a rating and review on iTunes. And just like last week, I'm going to read one of the most recent reviews. This one is from Smore20. 
Haley is so encouraging and has serious conversations that some people want to tiptoe around. She uses her conversations to point us to Jesus. It's a must-listen podcast. Thank you, S More 20 for those words. Uh, you guys, it'll take you about 60 seconds to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave your own rating and review. You have to actually write words and you have to tap a star rating and that's it. Then Apple Podcast algorithm will show Kindled to more women who need to hear the hope of the gospel that they have in Christ, in their work and their motherhood. Okay, thanks guys. I'll see you next week. Bye.